Well, it was a wonderful privilege to be with our friends in Israel this last week. A handful of us, um, a couple pastors from this area and uh, some others from around the country uh, were able to go and, and visit. And, you know, just to answer the question, why, why is it important for the church in America to pay attention to what's happening and unfolding in Israel? And uh, I'm going to stick fairly closely to my notes because I'm pretty jet-lagged this morning. Uh, but but here, here's, here's the answer to that. The Bible is a historical record of the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. And it speaks prophetically about Israel. It tells us of the Messiah that was born in Israel, lived in Israel, performed miracles in Israel, died and rose again in Israel, and one day is coming back to Israel. And on top of all of that, the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and according to Romans chapter 11, one day all Israel will be saved. And so it's important for us as the church on the other side of the world to pay attention to what's happening with God's chosen people and what's happening in the nation of Israel. Back in October, uh, Pastor Don Finto graciously came and spoke with us about the importance of Israel this last week. I was able to visit uh, some of the kibbutzim, the, the, the towns and the villages and the communities that were hit the hardest on October 7th. And I'm going to share with you some of the stories that were shared uh, with us while we were over there. I'm going to share some pictures from this last week. Uh, but there are three wars going on with Israel right now. There is the, the, the literal physical war as, as uh, they try to, to break uh, Hamas, a terrorist organization, break their terrorist infrastructure. So there's the literal physical war. There's the PR war, the war of public opinion and perspective around the world. And then there's the spiritual war. And having stood on the land and visited with the people, having stood between the, the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, from the river to the sea, having seen and talked with the people and heard, heard firsthand, I want to bring a level of clarity to you today that uh, maybe you're, we're not getting from the media. <laughs> no, we're not getting from the media in the United States. And, and here's the problem. There's a lot of different reports. And there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of information out there. So how do we know what's accurate? How do we know what's true? And some of what we'll talk about today, it's, it's going to be difficult to hear. But I think it's important that we don't sugarcoat the reality of what the Jewish people have faced and the level of vitriol and animosity, the, the level of anti-Semitism that is in the world right now and what the people of Israel have faced since their existence. Uh, but before we do that, you know, one of the most common conversations that, that we had while we were over there uh, was the, the Jewish people, you know, just sort of questioning as they see all of the pro-Palestinian protests happening in the United States and they see university presidents refusing to denounce anti-Semitism on their campuses and they see all these things unfolding in, in America and around the world, one of the most common questions as we talked with the people there and visited with them it, is their question of, is are we alone in the world? Ha have we been abandoned? 
and are all the nations of the world really turning against Israel at this time in, in history? And what's amazing is how much it meant to them that a handful of people from America would just come and be with them and hear their stories and listen to them and care about them and grieve with them and cry with them and stand with them and support them. So, real quick, for our friends in Israel that may be watching this or watch this in the future church, can we take a moment and through our applause, let the people know in Israel, let the Jewish people and the nation of Israel know that this church and these people stand with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. To our friends, we want you to know that you're not alone. There are people in the United States of America that see you and we are with you and we're standing behind you and that's not changing. And even though you don't, you don't see this reported in the media, what's interesting is there, there, are, there are sensible Palestinians out there that stand in opposition to Hamas and believe in Israel's right to exist. Because they understand the historical record that long before there ever was a Palestine and long before Islam was a religion, the Jewish people were in this land. That they understand the historical record that the Jewish people have a right to exist and a right to this land. So not only do we stand with Israel, we stand with those Palestinians who stand with Israel and believe in Israel's right to exist. On our first day there, we visited Raim, where the Nova Music Festival took place. And we walked through the memorial. Uh, there, there's a picture of it. Uh, and so in, in this memorial, there's a little bit in the video that we showed you just a moment ago, there are pictures of all of the faces of uh, the, the Jewish people and even the Arab people that were slaughtered uh, the morning of October 7th. And as we walked around, there were family members and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and parents that were walking through the memorial, grieving the loss of their loved one, paying their respects. Members, uh, soldiers from the IDF took their time, their, their, their break to come and visit the memorial and pay their respects to, to friends and brothers and sisters and relatives. Uh, there's another picture from Kafar Azah. This is one of the kibbutz that was hit first. Uh, and what's incredible, there, there's a little bit of a video footage here. In this kibbutz, uh, you have bomb shelters in every home. And in this community, every 30 yards or so, uh, there is a bomb shelter as well. Because once a rocket, and you can see Gaza from this kibbutz, you can look into Gaza. So, so once a rocket is launched from Gaza, 
you and your family members, you and your children, you have 15 seconds to get into a bomb shelter. So once a rocket is launched, the, the alert is, is sounded, and you have 15 seconds either in your home if, or if you're outside to get into a bomb shelter in order to protect yourself and your children or your family members. And, and I want you to see this next video, the reality that their, their children are living in. This, this next video is a playground. This is a playground that has three bomb shelters in it. So you'll see here in just a second. So that right there is a bomb shelter disguised as a part of the playground. There's three of these on this playground. And the, what's amazing is their, their children are, are trained. I mean, they, they go through training that when the alert is sounded, when all the lights in the playground begin to blink red and you hear the alert to seek shelter, they have 15 seconds. Children have 15 seconds to get into one of these tunnels, one of these shelters on their pr playground. This is daily life for the... the Israeli people that are living on the Gaza border. This is the daily life that they experience. Uh, this next picture is the Berdachevsky family. Uh, so the, the kibbutz that uh, we visited, the kibbutz where their home is. And this couple, 30 years old, they have 10-month-old twins. The, the Hamas terrorists came into Kafar Azah. They hid their children in their home and came out to defend, uh, defend their home and defend their children and they were shot and killed right outside the door where their children were. Uh, you can go to this next, uh, the next picture. So this is their house. Um, the, the Hamas terrorists, after hearing the infants, the 10-month-old infants crying, they decided to use the infants as bait. And so they let the children continue to cry in order to draw friends and neighbors and other people in this community, very close-knit community. Everybody knows everybody here. So whenever they heard the infants crying, they would come to try and help the infants. And as they would come to help the infants, Hamas terrorists would shoot and kill them. For 14 hours, the, these two little babies were used as bait until the IDF soldiers came in and killed them and rescued the infants who are now safe and in the care of their aunt and uncle. In this village, 950 people lived in this, in this kibbutz. 300 terrorists came into this village. 950 people lived there. 300 terrorists came in, brutally and savagely killed 64 people, kidnapped 18, four of which are still in captivity. This next picture is of a family of five that was killed from near Oz. This is the Kadem Simon Tove family. They were all brutally murdered in their home. Mom, dad, five-year-old twin girls, and a two-year-old son. This next picture is the, the Bebas family. They're famous in Israel. Uh, Sherry, Kefir, and Ariel Sherry's the mom, Kafir and Ariel were the children, and their father, Yarden. They were taken by Hamas. Uh, that next picture there is uh, from a video of Hamas coming in and ripping the mother and children away from Yarden, uh, their hu the husband and father, and taking them into captivity. Uh, the youngest, 
has been without formula for 100 plus days. Uh, Kiefer just turned uh, one while in, uh, while in captivity with Hamas. And, I mean, you can see the terror on her face. You can see what's happening here. And, and what we need to understand is, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you, is because the media would love for you to believe that this is, this is military against military. That, that, this, is, that this, is, this is just war. This is not war. This is terror. See, Hamas isn't targeting IDF soldiers. They are targeting civilians and children to enact terror to the people of Israel. I mean, I, I could tell you I could tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, but I could tell you story after story of the most horrendous things you could possibly imagine. If you multiply it by 100, you might be in the ballpark of what some of these families went through. So this isn't military against military. The, the barrage of artillery from Gaza into Israel is not about attacking IDF soldiers. This is about targeting children, families, and civilians in order to enact terror. Standing in these places and, and talking with neighbors and friends, I was struck by, uh, by several realities. Number one is the horror of what these people had to go through. And I was also struck by the resilience of the Jewish people. They refuse to be victims. They refuse to be victims. You know, since their existence, there has been a satanic agenda to eliminate God's chosen people off of the face of the earth. And just a cursory rundown, this, this isn't everything, this isn't comprehensive, but a cursory rundown of efforts to eradicate the Jewish people in 475 B.C., Haman organizes the extermination of all Jews in the book of Esther. 63 B.C., 12,000 Jews are killed. Many more flee their land as the result of Pompey's conquest. In 70 B.C., over 1 million Jews perish and 97,000 are taken as slaves after the, the destruction of the Second Temple. In 132 to 135 A.D., 580,000 Jews were killed and expelled from Judea. Between the 4th and 6th century, Christians, this is a blemish on the Christian church, Christian partic Christians participate in an enormous amount of anti-Semitic efforts through religious persecution and through military campaigns. And then in the 7th century, the Muslim religion is born and thousands of Jews are captured and beheaded at Muhammad's orders and then as he watches in approval. And since then, factions within Islam have sought the extermination of the Jewish people. Fast forward to 1937 through 1941. Uh, World War II, about, about 6 million Jews were killed. And then on May 14, 1948, Israel is recognized as a nation again by the world and has been geographically surrounded by, on all sides by countries and terrorist cells whose sole purpose is to kill all Jews and wipe their nation off of the face of the earth. And yet, the people of Israel still stand and they are still here. It's amazing. And what I love about the promises of God is God says that all, according to Romans 11, 
Verse 26, all Israel will be saved one day. Why? Because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. So God calls Israel, he chooses Israel, and one day all Israel will be saved because the calling of God is irrevocable. And so many of the people that we talked to last week, it's just amazing how committed these people are in the midst of everything that they've endured as a race, as a nation. After everything that they've endured, they are still so unbelievably committed to life and building up. They're not about retaliation, they're not about death, they're not about destruction. Listen, if Israel wanted to commit genocide in Gaza, they could do it in four hours and it would be over. But instead, they are so committed to preserving life that they are going in like a surgical knife instead of a hammer. They're coming in and they are, they're doing their absolute best to preserve the lives of the Palestinian people in Gaza. It's amazing. And the reality is this, if you just think about th this, this is fact. If Israel laid down their weapons, they would cease to exist. If Hamas laid down their weapons, there would be peace. It really is that simple. Now, I want to answer this question. Why is Hamas so intent on destroying Israel? There's a lot of different reasons for this. Some people will say, well, Hamas was just fighting for justice for Palestinians in Gaza because of Israeli oppression. Some people will say, well, the Palestinians in Gaza have been suffering under horrific conditions because of Israel, conditions that Israel has created. And so really, when you think about it, Hamas, you know, they, they are the, the heroes fighting for the Palestinians in Gaza. And, and having been there, having talked with the people, having stood on the border, I, I just want to say without question, Hamas attacking Israel on October 7th has absolutely nothing to do with the conditions in Gaza, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the people in Gaza, the Palestinians, it has nothing to do with it, nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you think about, so Israel has participated since 2007 bringing billions of dollars of aid into the Gaza region. Billions of dollars to help the Palestinian people. And instead of Hamas taking that money and using it for the betterment of the region, they've been in power since 2007. They ran the, 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 uh, the president of uh, the PLO, ran, them, ran him into, uh, into the West Bank and took over and brutally slaughtered any of the elected uh, Palestinian officials at the time. So 2007, since then Hamas has been in power and instead of using the billions of dollars of humanitarian aid that has come into that region, not just from Israel but from all around the world, instead of building up their economy and bettering the living conditions for their people or building water desalination plants or sewage systems or cooperating with the PLO to bring electricity into the region, Hamas took all of that aid, those billions of dollars, all of that money and instead of doing what was best for the Palestinian people, they built tunnel systems from which to enact terror upon Israel. They built tunnel systems that, that, that could help orchestrate and organize their terrorist efforts. And on top of that, they built for their own leaders palaces while their own Palestinian people suffered. 
right? The most basic needs not being met. There was a humanitarian, like it's true that there was a humanitarian crisis in Gaza, but it wasn't because of Israel, it was because of Hamas. It was because they wouldn't use the billions of dollars for the betterment of the people, why? Because they, could, they couldn't care less about the Palestinians in Gaza. They do not care. That's why they build their tunnel systems underneath hospitals and residents. That's why they use their people as human shields. They do not care about the plight of the Palestinian people. They only care about killing Jews. They've said that that's their mission. See, Hamas doesn't care about Palestine or Palestinians. When the IDF, listen, when they warned the people in Gaza that they were coming into the northern part of Gaza to eliminate Hamas and to move to the southern region and exit Gaza to the south and move into Egypt, you know what Hamas did because they love their people so much? They forced 170,000 of their citizens in Gaza City to stay. They forced them to stay as a sign of solidarity with Hamas. Hamas forced them to stay, and now after civilians are killed in war, Hamas then points the finger at Israel and, and blames them for their deaths. See, the, the, you've heard of gaslighting. There's a phrase, it's called Gaza lighting. It's where you actually are the perpetrator of killing your own people, and then you point the, the finger at the victim of your terrorist attacks and blame them for the killing of your own people. There were Arabs at the Nova Music Festival, Palestinians at the Nova Music Festival on October 7th, and Hamas killed them too. They do not care about the Palestinian people because it's not about Gaza. It's not about their people. It's not a fight for their people. The, their only mission is death and destruction to the infidels. They're just starting with the Jewish people. I want you to hear from Colonel Grisha Yakubovich. Uh, this man is incredible. For 30 years, he led the charge on cooperative efforts between Israelis and Palestinians. He, he is responsible for bringing millions and millions of dollars of aid to those living in Gaza, and he did his best to ensure that, that those millions of dollars actually went to the people in Gaza and not to Hamas. Let's take a look at this next video. Civilians from yeah. Gaza. And that's what actually, uh, actually, I, I don't even, even to, to share the, what, what, what I feel about it, because I had friends in Gaza. I did businesses with people from Gaza. I helped people in Gaza. You know what? I, I, I can say it now. During Protective Edge, it was my responsibility to uh, arrange all the international aid to the people of Gaza under fire, and I did it successfully. I saved personally 5,000 Palestinians from Sajaia neighborhood here, okay? I did it. I want you to find one BDS supporter that saved lives in Gaza. One pro-Palestinian protester that saved lives in Gaza. I did it, and I'm the enemy. And what makes me even cry during the nights is that the same citizens, the same civilians that I was dedicated to improve their lives, they are the ones eventually that raped our daughters, that slaughtered our sons, that beheaded our kids. It's the people who molested bodies of innocent civilians. So can we say that all of them Hamas? No. But do they all support Hamas? It looks like. We will need minimum a generation, minimum, to educate the new generation to understand 
that future lies in peace and not in war and terror. The colonel explained to us that the people who lived in Gaza could work in Israel. See, any, anybody that says that Israel is an apartheid state, I, I just want to invite you to go to Israel. <laughs> because you have n no clue what you're talking about. There is no, this is amazing to me, there's nowhere in Israel where a Palestinian cannot go. But there are places in Israel where Jews cannot go. And if you're a Jew living in Gaza, your life is in danger every single day. <laughs> so if you want to talk about an apartheid state, let's talk about Gaza, not Israel. So there are Palestinians that could work uh, in, in Israel. People who lived in Gaza could work in Israel. And this, this is what the Israeli government has done for the people in Gaza. If you're, you, if you're a citizen of Gaza and you work in Israel, you make 10 times more than what you can make in Gaza. And not only that, you are legally uh, required by law in Israel to be provided for uh, health care and retirement. So you're paid 10 times more and you get all the benefits that you need to care for your family. Uh, all this to say Hamas doesn't care about the people in Gaza. This wasn't some heroic effort to liberate Gaza. That's why, I mean, they, they say it themselves. All, all you have to do is have a little bit of intellectual integrity to acknowledge why did Hamas refer to the October 7th attack as the Al-Aqsa flood and not free Gaza or liberate Gaza? Well, because it has nothing to do with Gaza. It has nothing to do with the Palestinian people. Why Al-Aqsa? Al-Aqsa is the name of the mosque on top of the Temple Mount. What does that mean? It means that the horrors of October 7th had nothing to do with Gaza, nothing to do with Palestine, nothing to do with the plight of the Palestinian people. These are not heroic warriors fighting for a just cause. The October 7th had everything to do with their vision for the world, a vision of death and destruction where they will kill every infidel and it just starts with the Jewish people. And they want to implement this vision from the Temple Mount. Why? That's where they believed that Muhammad ascended into heaven. Hamas's own charter says this, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing the Jews. When the Jew will hide behind stones and trees and the stones and trees will say, oh Muslims, oh Abdullah, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. This is in their own charter, in their own words. This is their mission. A senior Hamas official recently called for Palestinians around the world to join their cause. He said this, seven million Palestinians outside, outside Gaza, enough warming up. You have Jews with you in every place. You should attack every Jew possible in all the world and kill them. This is their mission. Anything mentioned in there about Gaza or the plight of the Palestinian people? Anything about liberation? No. Because they slaughter their own people and use them as human shields. They, they build bunkers under homes and hospitals like cowards. They don't care about their own people. And then what, what you have is you got people in the world that say, well, Israel should negotiate for peace. Ilsa Strauss, uh, who was there uh, with us, one of, one, of, one of our guides, she said, you know, people that say that, they, they don't realize that year after, since 1948, year after year, Israel has tried to negotiate for peace. And Israel's enemies have said, well, if you give us a portion of land, we will promise you peace. And every time Israel would come to the, the, the table and negotiate and give up a portion of land, 
in exchange for peace. And they would give up the land and they would never receive peace in return. 1948, 1967, the Oslo Accords, 2007, every single time Israel's enemies would promise something and they would never deliver and Israel would try to meet them because all they want to do is live peaceably in their own land. That's all they want. And Ilsa Strauss, she says, negotiate for peace. Two problems with that. Number one is negotiate with who? Hamas? The PLO? The Muslim Brotherhood? The Sunnis? Shia? Houthi rebels? Hezbollah? Iran? With whom should we negotiate? Because we are surrounded on all sides by people who want to destroy us. Who should we negotiate with? And the second problem is this. How do you broker peace with someone who literally says in their own charter that they will not negotiate for peace with Israel or any of her supporters? This is Article 13 in the Hamas Covenant says this. Initiatives and so-called peaceful solutions and international conferences are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement. That's another name for Hamas. They literally say in their own charter, we will not negotiate for peace. So if you're Israel, how do you negotiate with peace with somebody who's in their own covenant is saying, we won't negotiate for peace? Why am I sharing this with you? Because the media would love for you to believe the narrative that Hamas was justified in their murder of Israeli civilians. Read their own covenant in their own words is a vision to kill all Jews everywhere. And here's what's true. All Israel wants is to live at peace in their own land. And Hamas wants every Jewish person in the world to be killed. And they specifically target and slaughter civilians. And then they hide behind their own civilians like cowards. You tell me, who is oppressing who? Now, there's a spiritual answer to this question. Why is Hamas so intent on destroying Israel? And its root is found all the way back in the book of Genesis. And I hope this will give you some understanding as to where this originated. Abraham, he had a son of the covenant, the son of promise. His name was Isaac. But before he had Isaac, Abraham gave in to temptation and did not trust in the promise of God and slept with Hagar, who was an Egyptian uh, slave and uh, they had a son named Ishmael. So you have the descendants of Ishmael, which are the Arab people, and the descendants of Isaac, the promised son, who are the Jewish people. And ever since then, there has been animosity between the, the, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac, since the book of Genesis. And it's all about their envy and jealousy of the people of promise, God's promise to the Jewish people. Hagar and Ishmael were rejected and cast out by Abraham, and they passed down that rejection, that father wound, from generation to generation to generation over thousands of years. And, and, and so the, the vitriol and the animosity and the, the hatred of Hamas toward the Jewish people is, is pretty simple. And their strategy, it's, it's brilliant. Hamas's strategy is brilliant. Their strategy is to provoke Israel into war, in Gaza, to lure them into war in Gaza, and then pretend to be the victim to increase hatred of the Jewish people around the world. And it's working. It's incredibly effective. And, and so it's plain and simple. And here's the reality. Any form of anti-Semitism 
is fueled by Satan himself. Any form. In the words of Gary Hamrick, anti-Semitism is Satanism. They are one and the same. Anti-Semitism is incited by Satan among individuals and nations. Revelation 12, 4, it says this. It says, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. So in this verse, you have a dragon, you have a woman, and you have a child. The dragon is a picture of Satan. The woman is a picture of Israel. And the child is the child of promise, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And since the beginning of creation, Satan has always stood in opposition to God's plan of redemption and salvation. Speaking to Abraham, God says this in Genesis 22, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And through Abraham, the nation of Israel was born. And through this nation would come one Jewish Messiah, who would be a Messiah, not just to the Jewish people, but to the whole world. John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved, not just the Jewish people, for God so loved the world. So all of the effort and all of the attention of the enemies of God are all focused on this one location because through this one nation would come a Messiah that would fulfill the redemptive purposes of God on the earth. And Satan hates the nation of Israel. Satan hates the Jewish people because Satan hates what God loves. Genesis 12, 3, God says, I will bless those who bless you, speaking to Abraham. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. You say, well, Rob, you shouldn't be picking sides like this. Hamas and, and, and the Palestinians who support them are also made in the Im image of God. And yes, they are. They are made in the image of God, which is why we should pray for their repentance and salvation. It's why I, I love hearing the stories of, of the Holy Spirit sweeping through the, some of the, the 52 Muslim states in the world. It's just amazing to me. There are 52 Muslim states in one Jewish state, and somehow Israel is the, the oppressor of the Muslim states. It's just unreal. But the Holy Spirit is sweeping through these Muslim countries and revealing himself to the Muslim people in dreams. They're, they're finding Isu, Jesus, through their dreams. And there's books and articles and all kinds of documentation of what Jesus is doing in these regions. And so, yes, we should, they are made in the image of God, and we should absolutely pray for their repentance and salvation. 100%, that is absolutely true. But I would remind you of the words of Edmund Burke, who said this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Having been there, having seen firsthand and heard the stories and cried with the people and the family members who lost loved ones, having cried with the people of Israel, I refuse to be one that does nothing and says nothing. This is not only a political issue, this is a biblical issue. This is about two visions for the world, one of freedom and one of tyranny, one of life and one of death, one of peace and one of war. And church, we must 
choose a side. And this church, these people, we choose to stand with God's chosen people, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, and we will not apologize for it. I want to let you know we're going to be organizing future trips to Israel that will be primarily about serving uh, the communities in the kibbutzim and uh, the, the areas that have been hit by these attacks. We're going to help these communities rebuild, uh, and, and we'll partake in some community transformation projects. We'll keep you posted on those opportunities. But in the meantime, what can we do? We can pray. So church, would you stand with me and join me in praying for the people of Israel and praying for her enemies this morning? So Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. And God, we ask for the healing of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. We ask for the healing and rebuilding of the communities that were destroyed on October 7th. God, we ask that you would bring Hamas and the Palestinians who support them, even the Americans who support them, which is just hard to even understand. God, that you would open their eyes. God, that you would give them revelation God, that you would reveal yourself to them the way you revealed yourself to Saul as he was persecuting Christians. God, that you would blind them and in so doing that they would be able to see the truth. That you, Jesus, are the king of heaven and earth. That you, Jesus, are the only one who is worthy of our worship and adoration. God, we pray that you would open the eyes of the Jewish people, that you are the Messiah, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, as the church in America, God, would you help us to continually stand with the Jewish people, your chosen people, even when the whole world turns against Israel, God, we pray that your church would be faithful and stand with your people. God, we pray that you would comfort the grieving, those who have lost loved ones, friends and neighbors and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and children and parents and all those who were unjustly and brutally killed on October 7th. God, we pray that you would bring comfort and peace to them. God, that you would be near to the brokenhearted. And God, for all of the Palestinians, the Palestinian civilians in Gaza, God, for their suffering under the rule and reign of the Hamas regime, God, we pray that you would comfort them as well. God, that you would bring them into the knowledge of the truth that you are the one true God. 
God, we pray for the soldiers in the IDF who are fighting to eradicate this satanic agenda, that you would protect them, give them guidance, guide their steps and their strategy to minimize civilian casualties. And God, we do pray in accordance with what you've written in your word, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God, we wanna bless your people, Israel. And we stand with them today. We ask for your protection over them. We ask for their, their peace, their provision. God, we bless Israel today and we stand with them. Help us to not waver and help us to navigate the conversations and the, the PR war that's out there. Help us to correct the narrative wherever it's possible. God, help us to do our part in this war. God, we love you and we thank you that you are sovereign, you are good, you are in control, and your promises for the people of Israel are irrevocable. We thank you that one day all Israel will be saved. And God, we look forward to that day. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, drive safely on your way home and continue to pray for the people of Israel. God bless.